Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Hi, it's Sonia. What's better than a crispy, crackly on the outside, soft on the inside fritter? From latkes to hush puppies, the world of fritters is vast and delicious. After this week's conversation, I couldn't wait to get in the kitchen to whip out my cast iron skillet and experiment with all the things I could turn into fritters. Cauliflower, sweet potatoes, corn, and even bananas, as Carrie pointed out. Fritters can be sweet or savory, round or flat, made with vegetables or fruit. And yes, we definitely debate trying to define them. And how can you fritter almost anything? You'll have to stay tuned to find out more. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. Sonia, I feel like we've been having this conversation for 15 years, so I'm excited to finally (laughs) have it here in our podcast. Past few years, I've just been really embracing the concept of a fritter. I guess I'm embracing a lot of the things we always talk about, like what are recipes that aren't recipes that I can go to in a pinch? So whether that's making a broth or a pot of beans, or in this case, gathering some ingredients together, making a little batter, I use that term loosely, and then putting it in a frying pan. Yeah. When you start thinking about the possibilities here. They're endless. When you and I have some of these conversations, I often find I need some guardrails, like where are our edges and where are we going to debate? And I think I really want to just keep this one open, as open as possible. Can I offer this? I think it's just has to be made in a pan. It has to be made in a pan. But let me ask you this though, like (laughs) are we pan frying our fritters or also deep frying our fritters? Because- A deep fry fritter counts. You're right. But, and I guess technically, you could make that in a deep fryer, but you would probably deep fry in a cast iron skillet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about round things, patty-ish things <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. can be – that either can be flatter or more spherical that you cook in some kind of fat in a pan. In a pan. Yeah. I actually w- wanted to offer sort of a starting point too. Please, get us started. Again, this is such an open-ended category. It's kind of like dumplings, right? Yeah. Every part of the world has their own fritters. That's true. I don't think yeah. you can find a place where people aren't frittering something. Yeah. So I was kind of researching like, okay, what is the ratio for a fritter? And I actually don't know that there is one standard, but I did find something that I found helpful because I, I think about this a lot. And there's a number of articles out there you can find like from the kitchen and Food 52 and other places on how to fritter anything. But essentially the components are one and a half pounds vegetables. You know, a pound and a half of vegetables is almost four or five Yukon gold potatoes, if that gets people into the right headspace. And then one egg and then half a cup of flour and then your seasonings. So there's something about a bulk of vegetables or meat, crab or tuna or whatever, an egg, a binder, which you could also replace with a flax egg if you're vegan, and then half a cup of flour, or you could use a gluten-free flour or some other kind of dry, starchy ingredient that binds it, right? There's some people use starch, in fact. I can start to immediately challenge that because I think we're definitely going in the savory fritter direction, but there's also so many sweet fritters. I This ratio applies to sweet fritter, which there was one I was going to bring up. There is the sweet fritter. I don't know if you 
if you have heard of this, this two ingredient banana pancake. Do you know this? We're starting off hot because <laughs> it's a is a is a pancake a fritter? I think a pancake is Whoa. a fritter. I think we are going in that direction because it's a batter. You're right because if a latke is technically a potato pancake, which is also I consider a fritter. So okay, yeah. fair enough, a and pancake. Also, and this is something I've heard of and experienced through you, but I've never cooked one of these myself. Is the and you have to um, correct me if I'm wrong. Okonomiyaki is that the Japanese pancake? Okonomiyaki, you're right. It's a okay. technically a pancake. It's a two ingredient banana pancake. No, I do not know it. Please, please tell me everything. Okay, you take a banana, you mash it, you like really, really mash it, or you can throw it in the blender. You add two eggs and you cook that on a griddle, and that makes a pancake. And I learned this when Mac was a baby from one of my friends when we were all trying to feed our kids. And this is when I remember calling you when we lived in the bungalow and saying, feeding my small child, there's so many things that you can just fry into a pancake, some of which are savory and some of which are sweet. And this was kind of my starting point where I started riffing on this idea of like a fritter or a pancake, these handheld meals. Yes, of course, most people think about eating a banana pancake or a regular buttermilk pancake with a fork. But if you're putting them in, in like a silver dollar size, that's really great for a kid to pick up, but also an adult. So what you're challenging is the idea that you need a starch or a flour. Yeah. Although I would say that pan- that bananas themselves are quite starchy if you really think about them. Like, they are. And it's different than just like scrambled egg patties, which is also something people do. There's a lot of Korean and Japanese cooking where you like add a little vegetable or something to an egg batter and you make little rounds because I think the banana is the starch component. So it may yeah. not be about a ratio, but it may be what we're talking about, which is more of, again, back to something round or spherical that you fry in fat. Yeah. And to your point is adding a little bit of flour helps everything. Some kind of flour, some kind of starch. There was this one that I found that was similar to a blini and because I started looking up blini recipes and you took potato starch and made a bellini out of that. And I was like, oh, that's a cool way to think about it too, is not flour, but with potato, which would be a more delicious version. I'm glad you brought up bellinis because actually one of the sweet fritters I was going to offer is from the same part of the world that bellinis came from, which is like Eastern Europe, Slavic countries, former Soviet countries. Because one of my more recent favorite fritters is oladi or oladushki, which some connect to like the origin of latkes. You can read more about this in something I wrote. I'll link the article on our show notes. But basically, there are these, you know, they were popular in Ukraine and Russia and all over that region, I think in Poland and other places. But they're little apple fritters. You do have some flour and some egg. A little bit of egg, right? Yeah, it's not complicated. I mean, other people make apple fritters, not just this part of the world. But this is just very common there. And this style is very common. And it's not like a cinnamony thing. And then if you are really true to form, you'll top them with sour cream. So- Oh. You know, it's a sweet fritter, but it there is yeah. a, there's a savoriness to that. Yeah, apple fritter was something that came up a lot, but there were also pear fritters and peach fritters, mm-hmm. and so and then there were also cheese fritters. And then I thought about how you can often get a blueberry ricotta pancake, and how that adds like a richness to just like a regular blueberry pancake, right? Well, this was going to be my other offering, <laughs> <laughs> which is sirniki, which is a cheese fritter, a tre- cheese pancake. 
pancake, but it's made with farmer's cheese, which is a lot like cottage cheese. It's like a very, very dry cottage cheese. And actually my mom would make this farmer's cheese and so would my grandmother. And again, it's just taking that very dry cottage cheese, which you can find pre-made at Eastern European or Russian market. And you just, again, mix it with egg and a little flour and sugar. It's meant to be sweet. So they're sweet. sweet. More often than not, it's made sweet. But there is this thing about cottage cheese fritters. I don't know if you've seen that in your research. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that too, because I think when when you were just describing this farmer cheese fritter, my mind went to some kind of green, like spinach or kale and a little bit of garlic. That's where my brain goes with that kind of fritter. One of the other places kind of in this zone is a hush puppy, like a corn fritter. Corn fritters where you have like whole corn kernels. And you're talking about hush puppies, which is made with cornmeal and is almost cornbread-like with a crusty exterior. Yeah, but sometimes also has chunks of whole kernels of corn. Exactly. To me, that's where these ideas kind of separate. When I was a personal chef, I discovered this. There was a Barefoot Contessa zucchini pancake recipe and just shredded zucchini. You add a little bit of, I think there was maybe some herbs in that or scallion and then egg and a little bit of flour. And that was something that we fed the kids a lot, especially in the summer when their zucchinis are so prevalent. But we also also did corn pancakes and things like that too. So I guess my question is, do you do this with other vegetables too? Yeah, we're getting into latke season and I really love a potato latke. To me, it is the ultimate fritter. And that's just, you know, grated potato and onion with egg. And I use little potato starch. Some people do, some people don't. And then you fry that up and it's so crispy on the outside and so tender on the inside. And it's one of life's great, great joys. But also I find as I get older (laughs) that I can only eat so many latkes. And Hanukkah is eight days long and there's usually parties before and after. This time of year is when I start really expanding into what else can I be making. One of the more recent, I mean, zucchini fritters is definitely a great swap for latkes because they're going to be more vegetable dense. They're going to be softer though. They're not going to be as crispy. They're more like a a pancake, right? Yes. Well, I still think they're a fritter. I just think because there's so much moisture in zucchini, if you're doing a pure zucchini, pancake, uh, you're just going to end up with a slightly softer fritter. It's just not going to be a crispy, crunchy latke. When I think about the kind of latkes that I like to eat, really crispy and crunchy and like straight out of the pan, I just find that I would sort of put zucchini fritters more into like the pancake. They're softer and there's no crunch in them. Yeah. What I found is if that's the texture of fritter you're looking for, if you're like, I'm really on a mission to have a crispy, crunchy fritter, then I would say always add potato. So you could take almost any vegetable and when you combine it with potato, it it still won't be like as perfectly crispy as pure potato, but it will add a lot more crispiness. I also think adding potato starch in lieu of flour helps with crispiness. So if I'm making kind of vegetable fritter over Hanukkah or over, you know, or just in place of potato pancakes, I often do like a 50-50 combo, potato, zucchini. I do potato leek. Leek fritters are really a beautiful recipe. And I'll also do that with sweet potatoes. I'll mix sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. I will do this by adding squash, a hard squash, and I'll I'll grate that and I'll do maybe like- You grate the squash raw, correct? Raw. I'll do raw grated squash, like a butternut or um, even a kabocha can work. And that mixed with half potato, half butternut. And then I might even add in a little leek or chive or onion or scallion to that. To 
increase the savoriness of that a little bit. When you're doing the squash, it's a little sweet. Yeah. For this ratio, I usually do, just because for those of you who care about ratios and recipes, <laughs> for any kind of latke, I do one pound of vegetables. So if you're doing potato squash, you would do half, you know, half pound of each to one egg to one quarter cup starch. So that's my ratio. So you can play with that and then you can double it, triple it, quadruple it because actually a pound isn't very much in terms of how many fritters it makes. Right. Okay. I got to say this ratio is really helpful because I generally do this stuff on feel. You know, if I'm trying a new recipe, I'll sort of pay closer attention to it. But I think the whole idea of a fritter is what's in your fridge or what yeah. are you, what's in season. And so this idea of one, what did you tell me again? It's like one pound of So vegetable. one pound of vegetable to one an egg, egg, one large egg, kind of standard egg, to a quarter cup of starch. I personally like to use starch, but you could use flour, potato right. starch, corn starch. And that doesn't include any herbs or onion you might add. So those are just add-ons. Those are and just add-on flavoring. Yeah. Or Parmesan cheese you could add right. or shredded right. cheese because every vegetable is a little different. Every egg's a little different. I do think just like you can always add a little more flour or starch. You, when you're trying to make a vegetable yeah. fritter, a latke-like fritter, I'm looking for something that can stick together and hold its shape in a yeah. patty. And so it's like just barely sticking together in your hands. It's not like it forms a dough, but that when you press it into your palm, it starts to form. If it's too gloopy and loose, it will not form a shape. Yeah. And if it's too starchy, it will feel like meatball material. And you don't want that yeah, either. It will be like dry, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you could add another egg if it feels too dry. Or you could add a little liquid if it feels too dry. These, I do think there's something about the practice of fritters, to your point, that's about the feeling. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think in this space, I want to offer a few years ago, when we moved into our little bungalow, I remember being so excited to have a space to invite people to. And so I had this little dinner party and it was all about greens. It was totally vegetarian. Wait, you're, you're skipping over too fast because I was at this event. <laughs> <laughs> I just want people to understand what you did because you're downplaying what you created. I don't think it was just a dinner party. You're like, I'm going to invite all my favorite women to my house I and did, I am yeah. going to do an exploration of greens and all the recipes <laughs> one can make with greens. I'm going to make everyone a handbound booklet of recipes, color copied recipes that you could take home with you. And then you did a table with a spread of different greens and then you fed us a feast. Please continue. Well, thank you for landing us in that space. I was excited to have people over and felt like greens beyond spinach became the norm. And I was like, I want to know how to put more kale and collards and all these things that I was really loving to eat into more recipes. And one of the best recipes of that evening, it was a cabbage, carrot, and purple kale latka. And again, this was back in the days when I was still a new personal chef too. So I don't even think that I had been doing Hanukkah as much as I have in the last few years. And so I just remember being, oh, wow, this is so delicious. And you do not need to wait for Hanukkah for this. There's something about a fritter that feels celebratory. Yeah. Right? It's festive. A fritter it's is- festive. I don't, I don't think people realize that even, I think that party was what, like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, yeah. that really even then like greens were just starting to get super popular. Like, you know, you were introducing us to this growing trend. And these were so good because no, they weren't like the crispy kind of fritter. What they were was festive, delicious, a celebration of the vegetables, it, but it didn't feel like health. There's also a virtuosity to it. Totally. Because <laughs> it is all vegetable. It's vegetables and a little bit of protein and a tiny bit of 
starch and they're fried. I want to, you know, bounce off the fritters made of greens and specifically cabbage because you brought up cabbage as part of your green because I think there's a rich world of cabbage specific fritters. And while I could talk about cabbage schnitzel, which I make, which I will argue is a type of fritter too. I want to know about cabbage. (laughs) We can't gloss over this. It's similar a little bit to what you're describing. It's a batter made with a bunch of cabbage and it's fried into a patty and it's a little more on the dry side. So you get a little bit of a crust, which you can make smaller little schnitzels. Like, so I form the cabbage schnitzel into almost the size of a chicken cutlet, but you could certainly make the same batter and make little rounds. And then it's in place of schnitzel, but it's made with shredded cabbage. I feel like I made something like this, not super recently, but I want to say it was a cabbage and mushroom smash burger. And it's the same kind of idea. It was me- It's meant to essentially be a veggie burger patty, but it was very heavy on cabbage and there was a little bit of egg in it. And I want to say the other predominant flavoring was mushroom. That was- sounds very... Similar. Similar. Yeah. And that brings me to my ultimate true favorite cabbage. I'm going to call it a fritter, even though I think that's stretching it, which is okonomiyaki, which is a Japanese cabbage pancake. I mean, secondly, I think known as a pancake, but I started making this after I went to Japan and fell in love with this dish. And it's such a home cooked recipe. And I looked at a lot of home cooks recipes to get inspiration for my recipe. And basically it's really simple too. It's cabbage, carrot, scallion. Now they have a special root that they make into a starch that they use for okonomiyaki. That's very hard to find in the US and you can pretty much only find in Japanese markets. So instead of that, I often, you know, replace that with flour. Or, or other starch, like a we potato use, starch. Like, potato starch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And a mix of flour, just because it's hard. And you can actually buy okonomiyaki uh, pancake mixes pre made that often mm-hmm. have this ingredient in them, but add the vegetables to it. Yeah. And you just add okay. the vegetables and egg, I believe. And you just make a very simple batter, like we're talking about. But instead of making tiny fritters, you typically make a pancake the size of your skillet, a nine inch, mm-hmm. you know, let's okay. say nonstick or cast iron or something like that. And then you're letting that cook and then you're flipping it over. Would you call that the shape of a frittata? It is a little frittata, like except for it's not eggy. It's thinner. It's not so eggy. It's really like a giant pancake, a giant fritter. And often it's made with bacon on one side. So like you you kind of stick bacon on it, you flip it over, you let the bacon meld into the cabbage. Oh, wow. I don't make it with bacon or ham. I just make it vegetarian. And then once you've got it embrowned on both sides and you transfer it to a plate, then I think really what's fun is you garnish it with kewpie mayo. Japanese mayo. Oh my god! And with uh, they have they sell okonomiyaki sauce, but it's like a sweet and tangy kind of soy-based sauce that's thick and glossy. And then it's really fun to if you can get your hands on them to shower it with bonito flakes, which is a cured oh. tuna that makes it a salty umami topping, and or seaweed if you want to keep it vegetarian. Okay, uh, my biggest question is: mm-hmm. Is this a single serving? This pancake is only for you, or is this a you're cutting it? In into wedges and serving it to like you and Jonathan. Both and. So it's well. <laughs> often, <laughs> it's it's typically the whole pancake is made as a single serving. Like if you go to a restaurant in Japan, you get a whole pancake. But depending on the size of my fritter and the size of my pan and what else I'm serving, I like to also cut it up into wedges. But typically I often will make myself a pancake and Jonathan a pancake. We each get one and I often make it during Hanukkah. Wow. That sounds so delicious. To me, this is additional evidence that fritters are universal. Every different culture has different versions of a fritter. Do you have like a go-to fritter that you're kind of making year-round besides maybe these banana ones or? I would say probably no. I think the most 
universal fritter that I make is probably a version of a latka and or a version of a pancake because I riff on our pancakes all the time. Like when we make them at home, I never use a pancake recipe, especially when Mac was really little and kind of like learning to eat and I was introducing flavors to him. I would throw anything into a pancake batter. I also think that there's other versions of this that can be really interesting. Like one of the things that came up for me was also falafel. Mm. I don't know that you would call it controversial. A as a, is it a fritter? Good question. If, it does qualify with all the things we're talking about. If a hush puppy is a fritter, I feel like a falafel is a fritter. So when I was looking up and I saw a falafel, I also found another recipe that was really interesting to me, which was this crispy bean fritter, which I think is called in the recipe that I saw, it was called a cara. But I love this idea of basically a fritter mixture that was beany. And then you fry it into what was what to me looked a lot like a hush puppy. Oh, um, interesting. Because I was actually going to ask you, I had a suspicion that somewhere in your repertoire, you had made a bean fritter of some kind. And I, what I'm curious is about that recipe or the bean fritter concept. Is it a mashed bean that you then also combine with something starchy or floury and maybe some other vegetables? Or is it just like a mashed bean that you fry in oil? I've definitely made versions of what I could definitely say is a bean fritter. But to me, they're more in the veggie burger category. They're thicker and and heavier. And so that's what was interesting to me about this one that I found. And they really kind of likened it to a street food that you put onto a baguette, like you would a meatball sub. Oh, that sounds so good. That makes sense to me. It's it's in line with that lentil meatball that you were talking about from the other (laughs) week. It is though. It's like you make a batter with beans, which could be lentils or other beans. And I think it's really easy to take a white bean or a pinto bean, mash it up, but not, but still have little bean chunks. Like if you did a rough mash and you added an egg and you added in some scallion and or onion and you fry those up, that would be very yummy. Yes. I think the debate here is the heaviness of each of these things. The lentil meatballs that I make or the bean cakes that I've made are more in the meatball category. But then if you think about these fritters that are lighter and fried and even a falafel, which is kind of somewhere in between, you know, putting a falafel into a pita and adding some vegetables and, you know, this is what people have been doing for millennia. What an excellent point because one thing that you're bringing up is how you could take any fritter and put it in a sandwich. Yeah. And like we really yeah. haven't talked about that, but but even a laka in a sandwich, a laka in an egg sandwich, a laka in a pita, a, a greens fritter in a sandwich or in a pita with a crunchy like salad with some pickles, with some tahini or with some creamy sauce. Yeah. You can go in so many different flavor profiles. And that's what I love about the blank space of frittering. And this year I've been re- like one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you about this is because I have gotten more experimental and I like to think actually that again this has been inspired by the YouTube videos I watch that come <laughs> from Korea because the Koreans have this amazing array of these pancakes that they make. Mm-hmm. There's a very common one that's like a scallion based pancake, yeah. you know, that, and yeah. you find them at the H Mart's, right? That's usually the first thing I get at the H Mart is I, and I usually get one of those and I eat it while I'm walking around shopping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're so good. And I started seeing, again, these, all these videos of these home cooks and you can buy pre-made Korean pancake batter at 
the Korean market at H Mart. You can also get it online. And it's like a pre-made mix. And literally all you have to add is like scallions or kimchi or cabbages or whatever mixture of things you want. And then you just make the batter according to the package with that ingredient. Right. And it's so good. But watching all those things, it made me think of all the like vegetables you can turn into fritters. And the one that I experimented with most recently that I've been dying to talk to you about is I've been making mushroom fritters. Okay. I want to know about your mushroom fritters. I think the type of mushroom matters a lot here. So there's two kinds that I really like in my mushroom fritters. It's oyster mushrooms. And again, there's more than what I'm going to offer. You can explore. But I'd say a kind of mushroom like an oyster mushroom as opposed to a portobello or a cremini or a button mushroom. Because oyster mushrooms are kind of floppy and meaty and they really taste good battered and fried. Like if you just tempura oyster mushrooms, they're delicious. So that's where I started. And then I love to add enoki mushrooms, which again are really, really delicious battered and fried all on their own. Wow. Something I also learned from Korean and Japanese cooks. But what I did is take a mix of enoki and and oyster mushrooms raw, and I made a starchy batter with potato starch and egg and onion and stuff, and then I just fried it. And it had a very crispy outside, and then of course it gets soft on the inside like a mushroom, so it's not exactly like a potato pancake, but it was so yummy. Jonathan, I ate the whole batch that night that I made it. That sounds amazing, and also I love both of those kinds of mushrooms, and I've never done that with either of them. I don't know that I would ever think to do that. Did you serve them with any kind of sauce? I think I made a simple like soy sauce with rice vinegar kind of dipping sauce, almost oh. a ponzu-ish sauce. Maybe yeah. I add a little lime juice or citrus juice, but it could be good with something creamy. The thing about mushrooms is it's a blank slate. You could take it into a more Middle Eastern flavor profile. You could take it into a more Korean flavor profile. You can make it spicier, less spicy. Right. So there's just so much to play around with. But I'm curious if there's a vegetable for you that you're like really drawn to frittering. Yeah, I think what I've seen around more recently is deep fried cauliflower, which I think also is a fritter, essentially a fritter, right? Again, kind of not expected to me. Well, I think- Because that to me is like a, is is a tempura or a batter fried vegetable a fritter. But what you just described with the mushrooms is essentially that, where you take raw mushrooms, you mix them together, you add some flavorings like scallion or onion, and then you make this little batter that you put them in. And so what's the difference if you just sub in cauliflower florets for that? I'm curious what listeners think, but I'll tell you with the mushrooms, you could do a similar thing and tempura fry individual oyster mushrooms or enoki mushroom clusters. That's a different thing to me than a fritter. So when I was doing my mushroom fritters, I was chopping things up, making a batter and making little patties so that they were round flat. But I think when you're taking whole chunks of cauliflower and dipping them in batter, and by the way, I love this, so I think it's relevant to our conversation. I don't know if that is a fritter, but if you chopped up the the cauliflower and you put it in that same batter and you <laughs> fried it in a patty, it would have it would taste almost identical, but then it would be a fritter to me. My brain and my stomach have kind of stopped at this place of the bean fritters, the acara, if that's how you say it, that go into this baguette with like some kind of sauce, this like street sandwich. And one of the things that I feel like I see I've that's kind of trending right now is when 
you fry cauliflower and then you you put buffalo sauce on it, right? Like hot sauce and a little bit of butter. And so the thought of deep frying, you know, or pan frying cauliflower in a little batter and then sliding that into a baguette with some pickly vegetables and my stomach wants that right now. Okay, agreed. And I've made that and I love it. Like I I love a deep fried cauliflower, but I think it's deep fried battered cauliflower. I'm really open to everyone's interpretation of this because <laughs> it, what I'm, you know, discovering in this conversation, it's both very broad and maybe there's for specifics for each of us. I just think that a fritter has to, it's almost like it has to have a few components to it. Like the things have to be chopped or smashed or ground. When I say a batter, I guess I mean, it's not like whole chunks of something. Because yeah. I do think a deep fried vegetable is not a fritter in the same way that a deep fried piece of chicken is not a fritter. All right, fair enough. But I think, you know, even in this idea of these sort of cabbage pancakes, when you were describing them to me, I think sounded like a more component based. Like you said, the cabbage get crunchy. And so the thought of these big chunks. Yeah, I think it's a really fun world. I think it's a really fun world to think about. But doesn't it make you want to take cauliflower and cut it into small pieces and mix that with like a little onion and some spices and even maybe a chickpea and then, you know, add a little flour and egg and then make that into little fritters that you put? Like, what if you took this whole buffalo cauliflower, but fritterized it, I guess is what I'm saying. And yes, broke it down a little bit more. It's interesting that you're offering that because one, there's maybe one other idea that I came across, which were these sort of Indian style split pea fritters. And so, you know, you offering like, oh, well, why wouldn't you add chickpeas to that? I think that's what people do. I think that there are all these spaces and and the flavors in that when I was looking up that recipe were onion, garlic, ginger, jalapeno to just give it a little bit of a lift. I mean, I think that that also makes a huge difference. The whole world of Indian fritters is so vast. I love that you brought up that one. I think we should link a few. I think the last thing that I would offer on the fritter front, (laughs) I think the fritter is a great vehicle for leftovers. I agree. I think basically leftovers, a lot lot of them can be turned into great fritters. Even leftover stuffing sometimes, if you kind of, you know, break it up and make a little bit of a batter and pan fry that, that's kind of really delicious. I mean, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I have this funny confession. We talk about this recipe all the time on our podcast, but the cauliflower farro parmesan recipe, I think James was out of town last time that I made it. So it was really just Mac and I eating it. And I think we'd eaten it for two or three days and there was a little bit left. And what I did was I made a batter. I added some eggs to that. I added a a couple of little chunks of cheese to that and a little bit of flour. And I fried that into a pancake and it was outrageous. Carrie, this is a cauliflower fritter. It's a cauliflower. You're describing, (laughs) this to me is, we're coming full circle. What you're describing is like the most delicious kind of cauliflower fritter. You take, it's cooked farro, it's cooked cauliflower, cooked tomato sauce, and you're forming it into a little patty and there's some cheese in there and some breadcrumbs and you make and that reminds me of things like arancini yes we didn't even yes, get into rice really, fritters yeah. but i think this is a good starting point to have this conversation i think there's room to revisit because there's clearly so many more fritters we can be making and eating yeah and fritters are friendly and fritters are festive and fritters are fun and yes. there's so much more that we can explore here i'm excited for you and i to continue this conversation in the coming weeks what comes out of your kitchen with the frittering and what comes 
comes out of my kitchen. I think this cauliflower farro risotto <laughs> fritter genius that you buried the lead with is really like what I'm taking away from the conversation. That to me was just a leftover that I ate. And you are one of the few people in the world that I would actually have that conversation with. And when you respond with you buried the lead in this whole conversation, <laughs> it shows me that that was actually a clever thing to do in my kitchen. And really, it came out of a necessity. I've eaten this dish three days in a row. I want to change it a little bit so it feels a little more exciting. When I fried the fritters, they were so delicious and different. I, I love like, it. Talking to your food friends about this really helps you see the beauty of what you're doing in your kitchen. Yeah, and get a little more clarity. I, li- I like exploring what are these things that we're making? What are we calling them? Why are we calling yeah. them what we call them? But we're going to link a ton of recipes in the show notes. So definitely check it out. And report back to us. I would love to hear if some of our food friends start frittering things. Yes, definitely want to hear all about that. (laughs) Okay, till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Bye.